Good morning to everyone that's out there watching uh, us live this morning here at the Dallas Church. I appreciate you joining us, and once again, we're coming to you uh, via live stream as we have uh, over the past several weeks uh, due to the fact that uh, we've had a uh, coronavirus outbreak here at the Dallas Church. And uh, we had hoped that uh, we would be able to meet in person this week. Matter of fact, we made plans for that earlier this week, but unfortunately, uh, through a uh, an indirect um, circumstance, my family in particular uh, was potentially, we don't know for sure yet, but was potentially exposed uh, to COVID-19 and given what our church had most recently been through and that about half of our congregation uh, had remained unaffected by uh, COVID-19, after that recent outbreak, we thought, or I thought, it was the better part of caution to not take that risk of bringing a group of people into an enclosed space and uh, and potentially uh, creating a second outbreak amongst those of our folks that had so far yet been unaffected. So with that said, we are back here again in an empty sanctuary, uh, trying to bring a message as best we can from God's Word uh, to at least fill the gap until such time as we can meet in person. As of right now, uh, our plans in particular are that we will try to have services here live and in person uh, next Sunday. So for the folks at Dallas that are out there listening and watching, uh, we will be communicating this through our various means of communication to the church, but we will we will plan at this point to meet at our regularly scheduled time next Sunday at 1030, uh, barring anything happening between now and then. But uh, obviously, with the way things are going, uh, we cannot guarantee that something else might not occur through the week. So at least stay tuned, uh, keep up with the lines of communication, and, and listen for news about our next meeting. Uh, as I've said before, uh, if you're out there watching this morning uh, with us, we would certainly appreciate uh, that you would uh, look down below the video, find that comment section, make a comment, let us know that you're here. I actually uh, have my phone open uh, here on the pulpit with me and can actually see the stream of comments that are coming through. Uh, it's the next best thing to the head nods and the things that go on. Uh, when people are actually sitting here in person and I can get feedback from a congregation when I'm trying to talk to them. So so if you're out there watching, uh, you know, comment below. Let us know you're here. Let us know where you're from. Uh, if you're not a member here at Dallas, certainly let us know where you're from. Uh, we would certainly be interested in hearing from you. And as I've said before as well, if you have a particular prayer request you would like to make, you've got something you would like for us to pray about, uh, certainly put that in the comments as well. And if you don't want to share that prayer request in that public uh, forum, then uh, you can certainly go to our website at www.dallaspbc.org, find the contact page, and on that page there'll be a form that you can fill out with your email address and submit it, and it'll send an email directly to my personal inbox, and I can guarantee you that if you send an email there, requesting prayer, we will take the time uh, to pray for you and, and remember that in your prayers. In the way of prayer requests here at Dallas, uh, not uh, as, I, as I mentioned this first one, this is not part of the 
the outbreak we had. Uh, this would certainly, if it turns out to be COVID, it would be an independent uh, situation because we've certainly been far beyond the quarantine uh, stage of having missed several Sundays now. So our folks have not been exposed to one another for a while. But I would ask an interest in your prayers for the Bates family, Brother Andrew, Sister Rebecca, uh, Brother Max in particular, uh, as I understand that they all have some symptoms. Brother Max has been tested. I don't think we've gotten the, they've gotten the test results back uh, from that. So certainly remember them in your prayers. Sister Anna, also their daughter, from what I understand, is, is not symptomatic or or at least last I heard she was not. I did get word from Brother Andrew this morning that the family is slowly recovering, so we're thankful to hear that, that they seem to be doing uh, well. I would also ask your prayers for Sister Elaine Habgewak. She continues to recover, um, her and Brother Victor both, uh, but Sister Elaine seems to have been the one that was uh, more severely affected, but she continues to recover uh, from that. Sister uh, Jan uh, Bulford also, remember her in your prayer. She's made a couple of visits to the hospital ER, uh, but seems to be recovering well, and we're thankful to hear that she is she is doing as well as she is. So certainly remember all of us here at Dallas, we stand in any of your prayers. Outside of the Dallas area, uh, Brother Dale Cornine, a brother I don't really know, uh, but he's a member, was a member at the Rocky Fork Church. He passed away uh, this morning. So certainly remember that in your prayers, if you would, as well. My understanding, he was about 40 years old, and that was um, a death due to COVID. So certainly remember him and his family and that church, uh, the Rocky Fork Church, in your prayers, if you would. So if uh, with that said, if you would, if you'd bow with me, uh, we're going to try to go to the Lord in prayer. And then after that, uh, we'll try to go to, to God's Word and bring a message this morning. Our kind and loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity that we have to try to look into your word, to try to bring a message from it. Dear Father, we thank you for the breath of life that we have, for the opportunity that we had to rise this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this church uh, that, uh, that is uh, doing its very best in this particular difficult time and circumstances to serve and honor your name. And dear Father, we pray that you would continue to give us the grace and mercy uh, that we so much stand in need of. Lord, we ask that you would watch over us and care for us during this time, dear Father. We know that, that we fall so short, that we are sinners, dear Father, saved by grace, have saved it all. Lord, we don't feel worthy to come before you, but God, we know that your word commands us to do so. And dear Lord, we just pray that you would give us the things, the strength, the health, the things that we need. And dear Father, we would pray for the coming week. Lord, we, we've seen how fragile it is, our ability to be able to come together, the liberty that we have to be able to worship face to face and in person with one another. And dear Father, we pray that this week you would settle things in our area, that you would, you would watch over our little congregation, dear Father, and that we would be able to meet uh, this coming Sunday in such a way that we could come together here, lift our voices together in song and praise unto thee. And Lord, we also pray for those that stand in need this morning, the Bates family that we mentioned uh, earlier, Brother Andrew, Sister Rebecca, Brother Max in particular, that have, that have endured some, some symptoms, it appears, of COVID. Your Father, we pray that you would watch over that family. You would continue to give them strength as they continue to recover. Sister Anna, dear Father, I pray you'd put a protective hand over her, 
protect her from whatever uh, virus might be lurking in that home. Lord, we pray for the Quarantine family uh, out in uh, at the Rocky Fork Church that have uh, suffered the loss of a family member. We, we know so many that have suffered these kind of losses due to this terrible plague that's come upon our world. And dear Father, we just pray that you would have grace and mercy upon that family. Feel that spot in their heart, touch them, uh, dear Father, as they stand in need. And of course, our own losses here uh, with Sister, Sister Jane Twilling, dear Father, I pray you continue to watch over her family as well that we've mentioned here in the past. Lord, we uh, just pray that you bless this time that we have here. Bless us, Lord, with the with the liberty uh, of, of, of our calling, dear Father. Bless us, Lord, to be able to speak those words from your word that would be comforting, that would be that would be edifying to your church, dear Father, and, and just that this format, though it's not perfect in any way, and though we don't call it worship, uh, dear Father, we just thank you for the, the ability to be able to reach one another, even if it's only through digital and electronic means. And dear Father, we just pray that you would, you would watch over each one that's tuned in this morning, and may they have a prayerful heart, dear Father, to pray for me uh, during this time. Lord, we ask now that you'd forgive us, dear Father, for our sins. You'd forgive us, Lord, for, for the things that we do and don't do that fail thee. And Lord, we'd also ask that you would uh, make up for those things that we failed to ask thee for. Dear Father, we're so thankful that we have an intercessor in Jesus Christ that knows our needs even better than we do. And dear Father, we're thankful that you know uh, the things that we we forget from time to time. And we're, we're we so much... Uh, request and so much desire that you would overlook our infirmities, dear Father, that you would extend your hand of grace to those that we failed to mention today. Watch over each one of your children, wherever that they might be. Bless us, Lord. Bless our local leaders, our our community leaders. Bless, Lord, our our state leaders and bless uh, the leaders of our nation this morning as they try to make difficult decisions in trying times. Lord, these favors we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our ever-living Savior, and amen. I'd like to um, call your attention, if you would, this morning uh, to uh, the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. The fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. We're going to start reading in verse 1, and we're going to read through uh, verse 3. And as we read those verses, uh, I'm going to do something I think that's that may be a little strange or a little odd, maybe a little bit different than than what I've done in the past uh, from the pulpit. I would like to talk to and about uh, the Dallas Church for just a little bit. I don't know uh, who all's out there listening. All I can see is that we have you know roughly 24 independent connections to our live stream this morning, which is which is fairly high for us. Uh, of course, part of that is, a large part of that is because our congregation is not here in the building at this point. They are out there connected as well. We generally average somewhere around 10 or 12 people that watch us live when we're in person. Some of those are obviously uh, members of the Dallas Church or or visitors, friends of the Dallas Church that are traveling or in different locations or at different times or maybe are sick themselves and not able to come, uh, and they tend to, to watch through Facebook. Some of those are shut-ins from other churches that don't have their own live feeds, and we're thankful to be able to offer this service to them so that they've got a place that they can go 
they've got a place that they can tune in and hear the word of God. And God has blessed us so immensely to be able to do this. So, so for a little bit this morning, I want to take some time to talk to uh, and about uh, the Dallas Church. There might be people out there that are listening that don't know a whole lot about us. Maybe, maybe this is the first time you've ever tuned in. So I want to give you a flavor for who we are. And, and, but uh, my intention is not to preach the church, though. I know that's, that's a little different, a little scary to say I want to talk to and about the church from the pulpit when we should be preaching Christ and Him crucified. Um, you know, Charles Spurgeon was one time asked how to preach the gospel by a young preacher, and he told that young preacher he wasn't sure that he'd ever completely figured it out. But he did tell him that the one thing he was quite sure of and quite confident of is that it didn't matter what text you took, uh, just pick it up and run toward Calvary as hard as you can. So that's that's kind of where we're going. I, I want to talk to and about the Dallas Church a little bit, but ultimately we're going to make our way to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I, I trust that you'll hang with me here. This is not intended to be a, a, a Dallas Church pep rally or a pat on the back or anything of that nature. I just want to talk about some of those things that I find rather unique and, and, and in particular encouraging uh, around the Dallas Church. We, we certainly stand in need of encouragement right now as much as we need anything uh, here at the Dallas Church, given what we've been through, what we've, what we've experienced with this most recent COVID outbreak. Uh, I feel like we need that kind of encouragement. I know I need encouragement, and I have appreciated the encouragement I have gotten from different locations and places and avenues, the phone calls that I've gotten, the conversations that I've had with people where they said, hey, preacher, I just want you to know that we, we love you, we support you, uh, we appreciate the, the prayerfulness with which you've tried to make decisions, and, and we trust that you're doing the best for the church. Th- those kind of things are, are encouraging to me, and, and I want to return some of that this morning uh, to those that are here that are part of this church and if you're listening out there and you're not part of this church, then maybe this will just help you to understand a little bit about who we are and, and how, how their pastor sees them. Because honestly, people ought not be coming to this church uh, to, just to hear me preach, just to hear the pastor, just to see me. Honestly, people ought to come to this church because of Jesus Christ. But the, the best witness, um, the best uh, marketing tool, if you want to put it that way, for the church is not the pastor or his sermons. It is the lives of the membership of that church, the people that attend there, how they've been touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ, their experience, their stories, what they can tell about what God has done for them is a far greater witness of what God is doing in a church than the quality of the sermon or or or, or the, the eloquence of the, of the words that the pastor can come across with. It's, it is the, if you're looking for a church, may I give you some advice? Instead of, instead of going online and listening to the sermons that are being preached there, uh, go and look at the lives of the individuals that attend there and see if you can find something there that you say, gee, I, I need what they have. And, and, and you know, if, if that's the way people ought to ought to seek out a church, uh, then, then uh, you know, that ought to weigh heavy on the membership of that church that sits in the pews. They ought to be thinking this is, wow, you know, I, 
what, what I do, uh, how I live, and how people see me in my community has a huge impact on the on the on the nature of the ability of my church to spread the gospel. Now, some of you might say, "Well, shouldn't people be looking to see whether that church teaches the truth or not?" Uh, certainly so, but I think you can see that in the lives of the membership. Good theology breeds good behavior. So I'm a firm believer that a church has to be taught basic, good, fundamental theology in order for them to truly live out their faith in the way that it ought to be lived out. So, so the lives of the, of the individuals who sit in the pews, who, who walk out into the community after they come to church on Sunday, are a clear indication of what's going on inside that church uh, when they meet. It's a clear indication of what they're being taught. So, so I want to talk a little bit about the Dallas church, but I want to read this verse of Scripture from, from Ephesians chapter 4 first as a kicking off point, and, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. It says, I, therefore, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, I... Therefore, he says, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this particular letter to the church at Ephesus. This is a church that he visited. It's a church where, where he, he preached the gospel in that city, uh, where, where, he, uh, where he planted the seeds of that church. He, he traveled there uh, more, on more than one occasion and, and preached in that place. Uh, it's the place where, in, I believe in Acts 19, where he comes across those those disciples that he asked under what were they baptized and that whole experience in Acts 19 where he baptizes those folks uh, again uh, happens uh, centered around the city of Ephesus and this particular church. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing to that church and in the fourth chapter he says, I therefore, he says, the prisoner of the Lord. I find that an interesting turn of phrase that he refers to himself as a prisoner, but at the same time, I fully and completely understand it. Uh, I, I don't pretend to, to stand here and tell you that if I chose to walk away from the ministry that I couldn't do that. I, if I chose to, I could, I could walk away from here, resign my position, and go about my business. But I will tell you this, that I don't think I would do that and be able to do that without suffering a great deal of consequences. And I think in that sense, I understand what the Apostle Paul is saying when he says he is a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord called me into this ministry. I didn't choose this vocation or this life. The Lord called me into it. And I do it now uh, joyfully uh, and and with, with, with faith that he will watch over that ministry. And I am thankful to, to have this blessing and this grace and this opportunity to minister to God's people. He, he considered himself a prisoner of the Lord, and, and I do too in that sense. But he says, I beseech you, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. In other words, he, he's begging, he's, he's imploring, and, and yes, there's a sense in which he's encouraging them to walk worthy of the vocation with which, 
uh, under which they are called, wherewith ye are called. The, the word that got me here uh, this morning and, and made me choose this particular verse of Scripture for this message this morning was the fact that the Apostle Paul was beseeching them. Now, I know that there's another word in that particular section that may trouble us a little bit, and it's the word worthy, where he says that we are, he's exhorting us, he's encouraging us, he's beseeching us, he's begging us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And, and I, I'll be honest with you this morning as a, as a minister of the gospel, as a sinner in this world, that, that I don't think there's anything I can do to be worthy uh, of the vocation wherewith I have been called. But I, but I do know that that is the, the exhortation, if you will, the encouragement of the Apostle Paul is that we try to walk worthy of that vocation. What vocation have we been called into? It's the service of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to try our very best to walk worthy of that vocation. In other words, we need to, we need to dig into the Word of God. We need to know what it says. We need to understand uh, basic fundamental uh, teachings of Scripture, whether that be what we would call theology or soteriology, whatever it might be, we, we need to know what the Scripture tells us. We'll talk more about that later, why that's important if I get where I want to go. But we need to know what the Bible teaches because this book that lays before us is the will of God for you in your life. And the more you know about it, the better off, the better you are equipped to, to carry out what God has intended for his people to do uh, here in this world. And the, and the more you know about it, the more you know about him. And the more you know about him, uh, the, the, the more you love him. And, and so we want to we make sure that we understand that, that what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's encouraging the church at Ephesus. He's trying to build them up. He's trying to, to push them forward into the world with encouragement that as they go forth into the world, that they walk in a way that is, that is uh, pleasing, that, uh, that glorifies God, that glorifies his name, that is in keeping with his word. So, so let's, let's consider that for a moment this morning as we think about the fact that, uh, that one of the things the Apostle Paul did was he encouraged the churches that he had contact with. And that's what I, I would like to do this morning is to, is to encourage the church here at Dallas and hopefully through that maybe encourage others that might be listening that aren't part of the church at Dallas or, or if not encourage them, at least give them a flavor, a little flavor of who we are and what we see as important or who you are and what you see as important. These are definitely uh, troubling times. So, so my point this morning is that I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you, and I want to beseech you uh, to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, and and to do so with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. These are difficult, difficult times within which we live, and it's not just. Uh, COVID-19 that makes these days so difficult. There's a lot of reasons why things are difficult. We saw what unfolded this week in Afghanistan 
and I know that there are political positions on every side of this, but the reality is there are people in that part of the world that are suffering. And, and I, I, I would challenge you uh, to be praying for those that want no part of this violent uh, lifestyle that seems to be going on in that part of the world. There, there are men, women, and children in that part of the world, though we may not agree with them in faith at this point, that do not want to live under such circumstances as they're living under now. So I, I, I'd call on you to pray for them. These are troubled times, it's, and it's not just things overseas. It's things in our own communities as we look uh, at, at the city of Atlanta, here where I live, and we see crime rates going up in a drastic way, uh, particularly when it comes to violent crime. And there's all kinds of discussions we could have about why that is happening. Why it's happening for our intents and purposes this morning is unimportant. What's important is that it is happening. There are areas in our city of Atlanta that that used to be uh, clean, used to be upscale, used to be nice, used to be the places of the rich and famous that have become uh, places of, of serious crime and murder and death. And it's troubling when we see these things being fed to us on a regular basis on the news. So with that said, I want to encourage you. As we talked a little bit about the things that are going on in the world around us, I, I mentioned praying for those people that 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 need prayer, those that don't want to live in this culture of violence that seems to be going on around us. So I'd like to talk, first of all, a little bit about prayer. When I think of the Dallas church, when I when I look at our folks in particular, when I look at you, one of the things that has always uh, encouraged me and one of the things that should encourage you is this is a people of prayer. One of the things I find on a regular basis is that I get requests from people that say, well, if this is going on, should we take some time to pray about it as a group, pray together? During this time of, of this COVID-19 outbreak here in our church, we took several occasions at the request of various members to take the time to get together as best we could, a lot of times in Zoom meetings where we could all get online together and we could hear each other and see each other and we would pray together, allowing different voices to come out in those prayers so that we could pray with one another. I want to read a verse of scripture for you from 1 Timothy, if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 2 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the word of God says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Notice he says to Timothy, he says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplica supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Men, listen, he says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He says, whereunto I am ordained a preacher 
and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Listen to this, verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Oftentimes, men lift up hands in war and fighting. I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul strikes a a distinct contrast when he's talking to this young preacher, Timothy, when he says, "I I don't want you to lift up hands of strife and war, but I would ask that men everywhere pray, lifting up not hands of strife and war, but holy hands. Notice the emphasis that the Apostle Paul makes here with this young preacher as he instructs him with regard to his ministry that first of all he would would exhort and implore that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men. And he he includes right away that part of that is, is that they should pray for kings and they should pray for all that are in authority And why should we be praying that prayer? Well, one, because God said so, certainly in his word. But the Apostle Paul says that we might be able to live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. So we need to pray for those that are in authority over us today. Whether we like the person or not does not matter. Whether we agree with their politics or not, we need to be in prayer for them. But prayer obviously goes much farther than just that intercessory prayer that we pray for kings as we intercede on their behalf, as we pray for those that are in authority. Prayer goes to the to the issue of supplication, to the issue of giving thanks unto God. And he says, I would that men everywhere would lift up hands in prayer. One of the things that I've always appreciated about this little church is their, is their desire to be prayerful. Uh, if you've never been here, you would see it when we take the time to have prayer requests. We used to come in on Sunday morning and we would sing three or four songs and then we would open up the floor for prayer request time. And sometimes that, that time of prayer request would drag on so long that we would lose the vast majority of our song service. So we've moved that to the, to the end of our service so that once the message is over, and, and we've, we've sung a hymn. Everybody can take the time to unburden themselves with the prayer requests that they might have on their heart. We don't want to, we don't want to stifle that. We don't want people to not be able to share, uh, those requests. But when you have a church that prays the way our church prays, that is often evidence in the fact that people are willing to offer up their requests. If you have a church that's not known for prayer and you have a prayer request time, the likelihood is is that not many people are going to ask for prayer. But if you have a church that is known to be a praying church or a people that is known to be a praying people, then when you ask for requests, it is 
quite possible that you're going to get more requests than you can handle because people want the prayers of those that are around him. This church has always been a praying church. We've always went into everything with prayer. I remember when we, we started the process of, of wanting to buy this particular building. It was, it was uh, in terrible condition at the time uh, from a cleanliness standpoint, from from a from a code standpoint, and and I remember coming over here, and we would we would gather here, and we would look around, and we would pray together. And, and there were times throughout the the construction of this building after we purchased it, when we were renovating and remodeling, and people would gather here, and we would do work, and we would end the night by getting together, and we would pray together, and sometimes we would sing hymns. Uh, even now, once a month on the second Sunday of every month, we try to provide a time here at at 10 o'clock, 30 minutes before our services start, that folks can come in and we can pray for revival in our community. Maybe we ought to change that up a little bit, and I've been praying about that as well, that that maybe the time is right, but maybe we we ought to have some more focused prayer. Rather than just praying about one subject every Sunday, maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to, Think about those things that we could pray about and pray about them specifically. And we'll, we'll talk about that some more. But I appreciate the fact that this church is a praying church. You've always prayed for the sick. You've always prayed for the downcast. And you've always prayed for one another. Don't fail to continue to do that in spite of the difficulties we have going on around us, in spite of the fact that we're not here together all the time like we would like to be, I encourage you, I implore you, I exhort you, I beseech you to continue to be a people of prayer. Uh, so please, please, please don't stop that, okay? The second thing I'd like to talk about uh, is is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And any Bible student out there that's listening right now and watching this, the minute I said 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you probably know exactly what I'm getting ready to talk about or what I'm getting ready to read. But I want to read that entire chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a rather long reading, but we have we have plenty of time left right now. I'd like to read that entire chapter. And then I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Another thing about the Dallas church that I've always appreciated as a pastor and something that I would like to encourage to continue in our membership and in our folks. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1, says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, 
they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. What is that particular scripture or that particular chapter uh, talking about? What is it speaking of? When it says that charity suffereth long, what is it talking about when it talks about charity? Is it talking about uh, giving your goods to somebody else? Is it talking about making donations to some organization that that helps the poor or helps those that have been uh, that have been uh, affected by a disaster. Is that what it means? And, and I say to you, not entirely. That's not the entirety of the meaning of that particular word in that particular context. I think most Bible students understand that in that particular case, when the Bible uses the word charity, it's not just speaking of the acts of giving to an organization or to someone in need, but rather it's speaking of the collective acts that flow out of a particular heart. And that heart is a heart of love. Some have said, and I think it's probably a reasonable thing to say, that charity is love in action. And I don't think that's too far-fetched. It may not be a perfect definition, but I think it's close enough for our, for our understanding of that particular chapter. And, and what we're being told here is that charity or love, uh, the demonstration of love, love in action, the Bible says that we're to love not in word only, but in deed and in truth. In other words, we're to love by what we do and by what we, what we understand and what we believe. That, uh, that love, uh, because it's, it's not in word only, but indeed love is to be demonstrated, uh, by our actions. And what that particular chapter is telling us is that love is vital. It's important. It is central to the Christian experience. Well, that makes perfect sense because the Bible says that God is love. So without love as part of the central Christian experience, then, uh, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense at all for us to have this Christianity that we have before us and it not to be something that centers and revolves around the concept of love. Now, love is more than just a concept. It is, it is a series of tangible actions that we take one toward another. Now, prayer itself is an act of love. And that is one way in which this church has demonstrated its love for one another is by the way they pray for one another. But I, I could go through action after action that I have seen amongst this congregation that, that goes far beyond just the ability to pray for one another, but, but goes to the point of people giving up of themselves and their own 
uh, welfare in order to minister to somebody else, to, to, to make sure somebody has a good Christmas or to make sure that somebody has food on their table for a particular time. Uh, even during this time of, 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 of COVID outbreak that we had here, people made porch drops and things for various people that couldn't get out and do things. And, and those are, are indications of the love that we have uh, for one another. And, and our love has extended not just within this congregation, but outside of it. I know at times we have provided uh, shelter for those that needed it, that have come to us and asked for it. Uh, we, we've tried to examine those situations and make sure that we were being faithful with the resources that God has given us. But at times we have put people up in a hotel room for a period of time until they could get on their feet. Or we put food in their hands so that they could feed their children uh, for a day or two until they could get something uh, uh, worked out where they could, they could provide for themselves. Uh, love is a major distinguishing feature, not only of, of God, but of God's church. And, and one of the things I've appreciated about this particular congregation in general is that, is that they are very, a very loving congregation. I've heard preachers talk about churches that they've been around. Uh, as an example where where a visitor might come into worship and and the church is quick to go over and greet them and shake their hand and 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 tell them how much they appreciate them being here but later on in that day when they would get to the to the fellowship uh, time in the afternoon when they would sit down maybe at a meal together at that church that that pastor would look around at the very same people that were so quick to get up and go greet that individual that came in the door for worship now had joined up with their typical clique that they eat with sitting around the same table and, and look around and see the visitor off at a table by themselves. One of the things I've always appreciated about the folks here at Dallas is is their their interest in making those who come and visit with us feel included, that they'll go and join them at a table and sit down with them. It may seem like a small thing in order for a person to say, okay, I'm going to take my plate and I'm going to go over to this table where there's a visitor sitting alone rather than sitting where I normally sit. That, that seems like a small thing, and it is a small thing to do. But in the mind of that person who was alone at that table, it is huge it is it is it is encompassing and and it's an act of love on our part but that love goes far beyond that it it reaches into the hearts of our community and those people that are around us and one of the things that i i just want to encourage here at dallas is never lose that that sense of love for god's people that we might reach out minister and serve those around us I know that in times of disaster, this church has been known to travel and go places and do things for other people. We haven't done as much of that lately as we used to. And maybe, maybe we should examine ourselves when it comes to that a little bit. But, but the reality is that we have, we have demonstrated here an act of love. And one of the things I've always heard from every new person that's come into our congregation that has stayed, that's joined our church and been baptized, one of the things I hear from them all the time is it wasn't the preaching that, that kept them here. It wasn't the, the singing that made them stay. It wasn't the entertainment value of the worship service. And Lord knows we don't make an effort to entertain folks here. But what they tell me is it was always the first thing that they noticed was the love of the church, just how people cared about them, greeted them, 
called them when they missed a Sunday, come visited them when they weren't here for a few days, and, and checked on them and made sure they were okay. It is that type of, of love within a church that is so critical and important to its success and its survival in this world. And I encourage you, I exhort you to continue to work in that kind of charity because the truth is, without love, without that kind of charitable nature, all the, all the level of truth and theology that we might have is truly meaningless without it. Though I could preach with, with, the, with trumpets and brasses, you know, it doesn't matter if I don't demonstrate uh, love. So I certainly appreciate that from the Dallas Church. And the last thing I'd like to talk about is something that's mentioned in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, I'd like to start reading in verse 1, and then after this, I'd like to try to draw this together with a conclusion. Like I said, I want to try to get to Calvary if we can. 1 John chapter 5, it says, Whosoever uh, believeth, this is verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Let's read that again so we get the words right. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Does that mean that believing makes you uh, suddenly causes you to be born again? No, it means that the fact that you believe is proof that you are born of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is already born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, if you truly love God, you will love his son. Uh, that's something that Jesus uh, intimated when he was here. If you believe in God, you would believe in me also. Uh, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. So, okay, so we, we, we know uh, that we've been born again if we believe that Jesus is the cross. That's what he's saying here. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the cross is born of God. We know uh, that we, we, we have to, if we love God, then we will necessarily love Jesus. Then, then the next question is, how do we know that we love God's children? How do we know that we love our brethren? That we just got through talking about love a little bit and the love of the church. How do we know that we love them? This is what he says. He says, we know that we love God's children when we love God. If you love God, you will love his children. How do we know that? He says, he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So how we live, what we do in response to to the, to the preaching of the gospel and the imperatives of the word of God, what we do in response to what the Bible teaches us, what we do in response to what we learn when we read, what we do in response to the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our heart, how we deal with the sin in our life, how we deal with what we're commanded to do as we walk forward in this world is an indication of whether or not, not that we love God, but that you love his children. Uh, if you're not willing to submit to the word of God and follow the commandments of God, you cannot in good conscience say, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's, that's not me talking. That's what the word says right here. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Now, this is the great thing about what the Bible tells us. We, we think sometimes that we're being asked to do things that are difficult and harsh and that God is simply trying to take away all the fun out of life. And, and that's what preachers are doing. We're, we're trying to steal all the fun out of life by telling people they need to do this or they need to do that. No, nobody's trying to steal the fun out of life. Matter of fact, the Bible says if you love God, this is one indication of your love of God is that his commandments are not grievous. 
It's not like when God tells us to do something, we're like, oh, gosh. And no, no, no. We, we love him so that when he makes a request of us, we joyfully and willingly are ready to go do whatever he's asked us to do. It's sort of like the Apostle Paul when he was Saul on the road to Damascus when God struck him down that day. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And Paul finally says, what would you have me to do. That's the heart of love in a child of grace uh, for not only God, but for his brothers and sisters is when he looks to God and says, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you ask. And, and when we follow his commandments, it's an indication that we love them. And we, those commandments are not grievous when we follow them out of love. He says, for whatsoever, verse four, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is where this particular scripture gets extremely encouraging because he says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now go back to verse one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And then he says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you do, then you are a, a an overcomer, if you will. Notice he says that he overcometh the world, and he says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. If you want proof of, of, of the victory that, that has overcome the world in your life, here it is. He says, even our faith. Uh, along with the idea of prayer and along with the, the idea of love, along with those two things that I've seen so vitally uh, demonstrated within the body of this congregation, within within you, uh, along with those two things, I'd like to point out that, that one of the things that has impressed me, one of the things I want to encourage you in is faith. These people have shown faith. I, I, I've talked to pastor after pastor after pastor uh, after last year when we went through that first wave of COVID-19, when it hit our communities and many churches stopped meeting face-to-face, they went to drive-up services or they went to asking people to wear masks to church or they went to social distancing and in some cases completely shut down and maybe went to live stream only as we did here. And I've seen uh, pastor after pastor tell me that when they finally got past that first wave and they decided that it was safe to come back into their buildings and start meeting face to face. They would tell me how that they had lost 5, 10, 15% of their congregation who did not return because they got in the habit of not coming to church. They found other things to fill their time or they had political positions that caused them to shy away from, from whatever restrictions they might be seeing within their, within their worship service. They were willing to, before they were willing to die to come to church, but now they weren't willing to wear a mask to be able to. So, so, you know, all these things happen. We saw people uh, shy away from coming back to worship. And one of the things I've, I, I, you know, my mind has been so impressed with, and one of the things that's been so encouraging here at the Dallas Church is that when we started meeting again in a period of time, every single person who was worshiping here before returned. We, we didn't lose a soul to this, to this political argument about church and worship and whether we come, whether we don't, what do we do? And if you come, you're, you're a good, hard-nosed conservative. If you don't, you're a liberal. If you show up in a mask, you're a liberal. If you, if you, if you, 
get vaccinated, you're this. If you don't, you're that. Brethren, this isn't a political situation. This is a spiritual one. And, and I'm so thankful for the faith that our people showed that even in the face of some present danger, they were willing to come back when we thought it might be safe enough, not risk-free, but safe enough that we could worship together. And, and now we're faced with that same situation again where we went a period of time here where we have not been able to worship together out of out of a, a judgment call on the part of, of frankly myself as the pastor who who has oversight of this flock and and I, I hope and pray when the time comes that we're able to start meeting face to face again. I, I want to encourage you, I want to implore you and exhort you that the same faith that you exercised in coming back the first time, that you exercise that faith again and come back to church when the time is right, that we can meet together and we can worship face to face. Notice he says, for for the the he says, um, for let me find the right place I was at. He says, for for even our faith, he says, who, verse 5, is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. There's, Like I said earlier, there's a lot of things going on out there in the world today, and it's a difficult time. But you, as a born-again believer, have overcome those things. Jesus is in your heart, overcoming everything that's out there. Your fears can be overcome. Your troubles can be overcome. Your trials can be overcome. Notice I didn't say that they would go away. I just said they can be overcome. And, and, and they can be overcome because you are born of God. And I, I encourage you to remain faithful. faithful. Your, your faith, uh, as I said, was demonstrated by our return to worship so don't, don't lose that faith as we try to return again because your faith is the victory, he says, that overcometh the world. The last scripture I'd like to give you is one I'd like to give you in conclusion because we're running out of time, and it's in Hebrews chapter 12. So we've talked about some of the characteristics that I've seen around this particular body and congregation, and I'm not trying to imply that our church is perfect, that we're perfect in prayer, or that we're perfect in love, or that we're perfect in faith. We, we have our times of failure, but, but I've seen those characteristics demonstrated within this body and within you, and I, and I wanted to point them out because I want to encourage you to continue in them. But in conclusion, I'd like to pull them together with a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, where it says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Listen to this. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's where, here's where the bottom line comes down. Here's where it all needs to, to land. The object of it all, whether, whether it's prayer, whether it's, whether it's love, whether it's faith, the object of it all, he says, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen to this, who for the joy that was set before him. Can you imagine anything uh, concerning the cross, anything around that scene of the cross, the, the, the beatings that Jesus endured, the, the, uh, the lashings that he took on our behalf, the, the plaiting of that crown of thorns upon his head, the blood running down his face, the spear that was thrust into his side, the blood and water pouring from his body, 
the, the, the visage that was marred in such a way that it was grotesque to look upon. Can you imagine anything around that scene being referred to as joy? Notice he says, who for the joy that was set uh, before us, before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one that went to the cross of Calvary and suffered in your room and in your stead. Jesus is the one that endured the whip on your behalf. Jesus is the one that allowed them to press that crown of thorns down upon his head until blood ran down his face and he did so because he loved you. Jesus is the one that suffered beyond any imaginable means that we could consider here in this world. Not only in humility, not only in in, in pain, but, but dear child of grace, he suffered in ways that we cannot understand why can we not understand it could i not be crucified sure i could but if i went to the cross of calvary it would not be the same because i could carry a cross up golgotha's hill you could carry a cross up golgotha's brow we could be nailed to that wood but if either of us did so brethren it would not be the son of god it would not be God manifest in the flesh. It would not be the eternal God in human flesh going up to that place. There is nothing that could be more humiliating than the Son of God who sat at the right hand of the Father in eternity past, giving up His place in glory, coming down to this low ground of sin and sorrow and walking on this earth and being crucified on the cross, being nailed there. Do you see what I'm getting at today? You might think these are troubled times you might think that we're going through great suffering but Paul says I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews and and whoever wrote it by the way said here he said look unto Jesus we need to we need to consider that when we're making decisions when we're thinking about what's going on around us and the trouble that's in our in our way when we're suffering we need to be looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, listen, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. What is the contradiction? The contradiction is the wages of sin is death. And yet Jesus Christ was not a sinner, and he suffered as a sinner for you and I. That's the contradiction that he's talking about. He says, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. If you can't keep the picture of Jesus' sufferings before your heart and mind, if you can't see Jesus on the cross in these troubled days, then it will cause your heart to faint because you will come to the place where you think, wow, I can't endure this anymore. I can't go any farther. Nobody's ever endured what this generation endures. No, brethren, Jesus Christ suffered more than we could ever imagine. And if we can consider the pain, the suffering, the humiliation that he went through, then it gives us strength that we might walk through this time as well. It is Jesus, by the way, through whom we pray. It is Jesus by whom we love, and it is Jesus in whom we have faith. So I encourage you 
this evening, this morning to, to remember the sufferings of Christ. Remember that what we're dealing with is nothing in comparison to what he suffered. Keep praying. Keep loving. And stand strong in your faith. God will see us through this just like he's seen us through everything else we've ever endured and every generation before us. And he will keep us until the time comes that Jesus will part the clouds of glory, return to this world, and take us home. And all of this will be some distant memory that will be just but a, a tiny spot, a tiny, tiny, infinitesimally small blot on the annals of time. May God bless you as my prayer, and I'd ask you to bow with me as we try to go to the Lord. Dear Father, we thank you for this day, for your blessing to be with us. We thank you, Lord, that you've been in our midst. Dear Father, even though we've been separated by uh, distance and by electronic means, and dear Lord, we just pray that you would continue to bless your word. May you take this message of encouragement, dear Father, as, as, as feebly as it's been delivered. Dear Father, would you take my stuttered and stammering words and would you apply them to the heart of your people Dear Father, encourage them, strengthen them, give them faith, dear Lord. Uh, strengthen their faith, cause them to be hungry and thirsty. Dear Father, give them a desire to come back to your house that we might worship together. Lord, we just pray and know that these are difficult times. And Lord, we just pray that you would give each and every one of us strength to, to overcome this world that is around us and not to see this world as our home. But dear Father, know that we have a home far beyond this life. We have a home outside of this world. We have a home in eternity before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for the sick, those that are, that are downtrodden today, those that are suffering, families that have suffered loss. And dear Father, we just pray that you'd watch over each and every one of them. Go with us through the rest of this day. Give us what we stand in need of, Lord. Bless us with our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins, dear Father. And Lord, just extend your hand of mercy into our midst. Lord, these favors we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our ever-living Savior. One last word as we depart. As we mentioned earlier, uh, if, you're, if you're out there listening this morning and you're, you're watching, please comment. Uh, go down below, comment. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Uh, just, it, it just, it's an encouragement to us to continue to be able to do these kind of things. It takes some effort to, to send out these broadcasts to then convert them to, to a means that we can upload to our website. So there's some effort behind that. So we'd appreciate that encouragement. So go down to the comment section, say, Hey, I'm here. I appreciated the day or just say, Hey, I'm here. And I was listening from, you know, wherever you were at. And we would appreciate that. If you have a prayer request, we mentioned that before. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make, you can put it in the comments. Our entire church will pray with you about that. Trust me. They will pray with you about that. If it's something that you don't feel comfortable putting in such a public format, like I said, go to our website at www.dallaspbc.org. Uh, dallaspbc.org. That's Dallas Primitive Church, so it's pbc.org. And, and you'll find a contact page there, and you can fill out that form with a subject line, an email, and, and your email address, and, and then a, uh, a note of what you would like to be prayed for. That'll come to my private inbox, my personal email box. Uh, so I, I'm the only one that has access to that. So if, you, if you're more comfortable doing that, please do that. Send it to me, and I'll be glad to, to read that. And I, I, I promise you, if you send it, uh, I'll pray for you and pray about that particular situation. Last thing I want to mention is something we've already said. Our, our intentions are to have face-to-face -face worship here next Sunday. We, we intend to do that today, so things can change. So please just stay with us. Watch our Facebook page. Uh, for those that are part of the Dallas Church, we have an internal communication system that we use through the group me and other means. Very few people aren't on it. Those that aren't on it will call you 
But, uh, but if anything changes between now and next Sunday, we'll make sure everybody knows. In the meantime, we're not having Wednesday night services for the moment. We're going to continue to keep it that way. We're going to keep Wednesday nights open for now for folks that, that uh, need to do things for one another. So just, just don't worry about Wednesday nights until we make another announcement. We'll, we'll get back to that soon. But right now, our intention is to have services next Sunday. If we have services next Sunday, please understand we will not have lunch. We'd like to keep everybody upstairs as much as possible because for, for at least a season, I'm going to try to disinfect the building between services. Um, so it will be disinfected this week sometime later in the week uh, before we meet on this coming Sunday. But, but if, we, if we keep folks upstairs, it, it eliminates the need for me to have to disinfect the basement as well. So we'll try to keep people up here on this level uh, so, that, so that we don't have to deal with the downstairs cleaning issues. So remember that, we'll, we'll, and also we'll, we'll try to enforce some level of social distancing within the congregation. So people you're exposed to uh, on a daily basis or through the week or whatever, please try to sit with them in groups in different places in the church. And I would prefer that you keep uh, at least an empty row between families. And if we can't do that, if we can't keep an empty row between families, then please sit on the opposite ends of the row uh, one behind the other. So if, to, if you have to be in the same uh, a row directly behind somebody, sit on the opposite end of that row and let's try to try to social distance as much as we can and keep people five or six feet apart. I know this Delta variant is a whole lot more transmissible than the previous and social distancing may not be as effective, but it's one of the best tools we have right now is to keep people as separated as we can uh, for the moment. So if you really, really need a hug, hug somebody in your family. Uh, and, and, and I would encourage you to hug your family at this point anyway, but uh, reach out to them and, and try, to, try to keep that contact within, within the groups that you're already contacting with on a daily or weekly basis anyway. We appreciate you coming. We appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate some of the posts that I've already seen. I see people telling us that they're listening, people from Austin, Texas. I've seen people from India, uh, from, uh, from different places, Virginia, uh, different locations that are watching with us. We appreciate you coming and being with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for encouraging us. All those folks that are out there that have prayed for us, thank you for your prayers. It means so much. And, and we've been truly blessed here at the Dallas Church in spite of the losses and the hardships that we went through. Uh, God has been so good to us and, and just continue to pray for us. May God bless you uh, throughout the coming week. And may God bless you to be back here with us next Sunday.